Welcome to the Dream Plan Start Grow Show, where the goal is to provide you tips and tools to create and execute your business plan for success. Welcome back to the Dream Plan Start Grow Show. My name is Allison Turner. I started these interviews because I really love entrepreneurship and I truly believe that we can learn from each other and from our experiences that we've had. So whether you're brand new to business, when you want to start a business or you're a seasoned entrepreneur, check out my Dream Plan Stark Rose show to really level up your game. You can catch that on YouTube or on my website, dreamplanstarkrow.com. Today, I am honored to have with me Jennifer Perez, who is a profit first strategist, and she's the owner of Mastering Your Profit, the company Mastering Your Profit. And if you haven't read Michael McCowitz, hopefully I'm saying his name write his book Profit First, it's really an eye-opener from the side of accounting for businesses. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So before we get into kind of what Profit First is and kind of what your business is all about, how long have you actually been an entrepreneur? Um, I would say technically I've been an entrepreneur since I was a kid because I was always selling things. I even did, and it's, I don't remember what it was called, but you would go to house to house and try to sell products and I would make money. So technically a very long time, but um, as soon as I turned 18, I was in the network marketing industry for quite a while. And then when I got into what I now am doing, um, more owning my own business has been about a little over seven years. Okay. And what prompted you, I don't know what you did before, before this business, but what prompted you from, you know, leaving whatever that was and going into your own business? So I actually was working full time as a bookkeeper, staff accountant for a business. And while I was doing that, I also wanted to learn about money because nobody ever taught me. So I did. And my then financial advisor said, oh, you should be a financial coach. And I was like, okay, cool. What's that? Um, and so I started this as like a side gig, teaching people how to pay off their debts and budget and everything. And they're like, wait, you know how to do bookkeeping? Yeah, sure. Can you do mine? Okay, cool. And that's kind of how things got started about seven years ago. Honestly, I didn't actually leave corporate world until April of 2022. Okay. And so part of the reason is I had a very good job and I didn't have that something to like push me out. Like why leave something that was, you know, very well paid and they took care of me and everything. And, um, but I will say it's a whole different mindset. And you, (laughs) when you make that jump, that leap into being full-time business owner, you get things done. (laughs) So. Yeah. And I've, even in my interviews with some other entrepreneurs, you know, some of them kind of did what you did of kind of running two things side by side and, you know, once they made that leap, they felt like they really accelerated much more quickly because you had to. Because right. <laughs> now all of a sudden you had to like make up that income that you were making from the corporate job oh, that yeah. you no longer had. But it sounds like you weren't really, you know, because some people that start businesses, they're, you know, they're not really interested. Like they, they don't like working for someone else. They don't, you know, they don't like the job they're in. You know, you hear all the different kind of complaints. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't sound like you had that necessarily. It sounds like you actually enjoyed what you were doing to some degree and, you know, got paid well for it, 
probably got good benefits and whatnot. Is that true? It is. I think for me, it was more the flexibility and being able to make my own decisions, um, not having to, you know, have my own bot, be my own boss. But ironically, the first year of the nine years I was with that company, after that first year, they sold the company, started another one. So I went with them for eight more years. And that's one reason I left is they sold that company. And I could have stayed with the whoever bought them out. But I thought if I'm not going to jump now, I'm never (laughs) going to. So that's what made me make that leap. Uh, ironically, they started another business and are clients of mine. So <laughs> it worked out. I still, I love working with them and, and I enjoy it. It's just a different way of doing things. So, right. Now, were they, when you worked for them, were they doing this profit first model or were they just doing kind of traditional accounting methods? Yeah, they're traditional accounting. Um, I was, they had a CFO and I basically did everything else. So I did all of the accounting services paying bills, payroll, bookkeeping, you name it. I basically did everything day to day and just had the CFO approve things or look at the higher level overview of things long-term. And so now they have hired us as their fractional controllers to still do all the things that obviously we know how to do. Um, And they're just, they're still developing their product. It's a SaaS company. And so once they actually start earning income and selling the product, then we'll be able to implement profit first. Okay. So do you work traditionally with companies only in the profit first model at this point? Or it sounds like with them, obviously you're doing like their accounting stuff while they're developing this product, you know, because since they don't really have income necessarily coming in, it sounds like right. <laughs> at this point. Right, right. Well. It, it just, it really depends. So I, some people have hired me not even knowing profit first is what we're doing. They just know that I'm here to help them in making sure that they're profitable, they're financially healthy, and that they're paying themselves first. A lot of people wait till what's left over and then they pay themselves, and that's not the correct way to really operate a business, So, or at least a successful one. Right. Um, but I, I've had people that already know profit first, and that's how they found me, or they have no clue that's what we're doing. They learn as we go along, so in anywhere in between. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, the funny thing is, like, I think I told you, I read Profit First last year and I was kind of intrigued by it. And so intrigued to the point of I was with a kind of mid-sized bank or regional bank, I guess. And I had talked to them about setting up multiple accounts and how much that was going to cost me every month because all these banks, you know, charge fees if you don't have X amount of balance or whatever the case is. Um you know, and that was the case with this bank. And so I was with a credit union over on my personal side. And so I went to them because I didn't have any personal fees to speak of. So I went to them and asked them the same thing. Oh, yeah, you can set up, you know, how many ever you can have 100 accounts. You want 100 accounts? <laughs> yeah. I don't need that many, but five is fine. Um, so I was able to set it up. And then I won really, and I haven't made the full transition yet, but it's kind of in, pro- in progress right now. At least I moved, finally moved earlier this year from <clears throat> the previous bank over to this bank. Um, but, you know, that's kind of where I've, I've been at this point, but before we ran into each other at a conference in Dallas. So how are you, like, so when you started this kind of coaching, financial coaching business for businesses, were you intending to do profit first? Like, had you been introduced to it at that point in time? No. Um, in fact, it was in two, what was it 2019. I was growing and had the question of how much should I be paying myself? 
And um, <laughs> that's when everybody said, oh, read the book Profit First. And I was like, no, I've got like a lot of books. I, I have so many. And they're like, no, trust me, just read it. So instead of getting that quick answer, I read the book. I read it in two days, which does not happen with me. I'm a slow reader and to not get bored and actually complete it, uh, it for one. I implemented it right away. And when I saw what it did for my business after a few months, I was like, holy cow, like, what if I can help clients do the same thing? Right. And that's kind of what got the ball rolling and getting certified, becoming, becoming a profit first professional and kind of took off from there. And that's my heart is in helping people. Yes. Bookkeeping is a need. You have to have tracking the numbers in your business and you need it for tax purposes, et cetera. But I really love helping people understand the numbers and growing so that they can hopefully enjoy the life that they're living and not thinking of feeling like it's just another job. Right. Right. Cause I think a lot of business owners get trapped in the business they own because it's more, it is more of a job because they're having to right. work so much to make that money day in and day in and day out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so you then transitioned obviously your business model over prior to going full time in your business to this profit first model. So, and so this is going to be a kind of a different type of um, show today, because obviously I'm talking to you about how you started the business, but I also think it's an interesting thing to kind of dive into what profit first is, because a lot of people, I hadn't heard of it until, I don't know, it came up on a clubhouse room, you know, of like, oh, you should read, you know, people talking about profit first. And usually I go and look at books and then I put them on my little list. And then that was happened to be one I actually bought, <laughs> bought and, yep. and read. Um, so share with people what that model actually is. Cause I mean, most of the business owners, I think I know are using kind of the traditional system in accounting. Right. And, it, and I still recommend using that traditional system in accounting. The problem <clears throat> is that most people, most business owners don't have an accounting background. They don't have the knowledge of how to read financial statements. Even sometimes when their CPA or accountant tries to teach them how to use it, they might understand what it says, but not sure how to use that to make decisions in their business. So that's really, it's a behavioral based cash flow method that um, what a lot of people do is called bank balance accounting because they go check their bank account when making decisions <laughs> since they don't quite understand how to read a financial statement. And so without changing that behavior, we use various bank accounts so that you know what money is meant for what purpose, but also factoring in to make sure that you are driving profit intentionally. You're paying yourself first. You have to save for taxes because I know when you have a, a profitable business, you have to pay taxes, unfortunately. Uncle Sam wants his money. Um, but it's better to be prepared for all of that. And then, of course, having a deeper awareness of your expenses. And so there's like a whole list of things that we can go into, of course, but that's the general gist of what the, the methodology is in making people more aware of what's happening in the numbers of their business so they can financially grow and have that better understanding. Yeah. And I think it's, it's such a different model than, I mean, so yeah, it's a, you know, you obviously still have accounting and you still have the debits and credits and all the, all the stuff that goes into accounting. But I think even from, you know, just putting money and this is like the only thing I'm doing in it right this second is just putting a little bit of money aside for the profit account every, you know, every week or whatever, um, based on the income that comes in, you know, so it shows up in a different account. So it's not like, okay, I can spend all that money too. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think just from that standpoint, because 
you know, even the traditional accounting system, I mean, obviously, you know, depending on who your accountant is and how they structure things, you know, sometimes you want the, you know, you're from S Corp like myself, you know, you want the, if you show the loss and it comes through as a loss to your personal side too. So, um, which is beneficial from a tax standpoint for the personal side, but then is it beneficial from the, you know, the company side? I mean, that's really the million dollar question. And then can you ultimately, you know, if you want to buy a house, can you get actually get right. finance for a house? Um, you know, which I always hear about, you know, from people, you know, who are trying to buy a house that are self-employed and all of a sudden they're not showing that much profit on the, the company. And now they have a problem like actually financing, going and getting a mortgage for a house. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think it's, you know, f- trying to figure out what that best model is, you know, and I mean, would you recommend this model for all businesses or would you recommend for certain size businesses? Like what's your experience? Um, I mean, my experience has been small business owners, which technically means you're making 25 million a year or less, but I've seen businesses that are making 50 million a year and they're still, they might not call it profit first, but when you actually look at things in there, when you look at their statements and whatnot, that's actually what they're doing. They just might not be calling it that. And so if, especially if you're just getting started and you start on the right foot of implementing it then it's a lot easier for you to grow quicker when it comes time to hiring someone, you know, whether you can afford to or not and put a plan in place for it. So there's a lot of those decisions that can help you get to where you want to go quicker when you know what those numbers are. And earlier you had mentioned about, um, it kind of made me think about Parkinson's law, which is basically the more demand there is like as supply increases, so does demand. So you start making more money. Well, what are you going to do with that money? You're going to spend more money. And so with profit first, we use more percentage based. So every business has their ups and downs, right? Um, throughout the year. And so instead of certain dollar amounts that, oh, you might have a dip in a certain month that go fall below what you need to cover bills, for example, or payroll it, honestly, when you do it properly, there's a way to where you are saving for those times in the season that you may not be making as much that you would need to pull from that. Um, so Parkinson's law is more of, if there's more money to spend, you're going to spend it. If there's less money and time too, then you're going to spend what that takes. Um, versus, okay, if you're going up, 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 you doesn't mean you can't go up, just not as at the same pace. Right. 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 Now, when you transitioned your, I guess, financial coaching business over to this model, did you run into any challenges doing that? I mean, with clients, um, cause you said some clients don't even know that's what they're doing, what they're doing, right, which right. is interesting, um, to me as well, because obviously if you have, if you've done anything with your books, I mean, you would at least see the difference in the, the structure, whether you saw the end result, that's different, but. Right. Well, and some people don't have books. They're using pen and paper or a spreadsheet. Oh. Um, you know, that could be too, that, that happens more often than I'd like to hear, but, or they do have books and they, they maybe their spouse is doing it or a friend of the family and they don't always know, especially if they're not in that industry, whether they're being done accurately or not either. Right. So um, it's important to have accurate books because it helps you make those decisions and knowing what those numbers are. But um, yeah, it's something where I actually was working so much in my business instead of on it in 2019 that I would, cause I was doing the bookkeeping for the most part 
I had to make a transition. I kind of took a sabbatical in 2020 and focused more now on the coaching side than the bookkeeping side, have a team to do that. But what helped with that is people would come to me and they just know that I can help them maximize their profits. They know that we can, you know, uh, someone came to me, for example, wasn't even open doors yet, but she wanted help with what her packages and pricing would look like, because that's important to align with what your goals are and what you're wanting Mm -hmm. to do in business. So it just really depends on so many different factors. Um, but yeah, a lot of people come to me and that's one reason why I continued offering the bookkeeping is because they would come and they didn't have it or their friend did it and they didn't even know if it was accurate or not. And <laughs> a lot of times it's not unless they're also like a CPA or an accountant bookkeeper. Um, so, yeah. Well, and I think bookkeeping is kind of low, the low hanging fruit <laughs> is like, you know, because people need that service. And I'm not saying they don't need the profit first coaching, but I think it's the same like in my business the business coaching is the heart. I mean, I shouldn't say it's a harder thing to sell, but it, you know, they don't, you know, they may lead with like, Hey, I'm a new business. I need branding and a website. And then I usually build that in because I know where they're at at that mm-hmm. point. But I mean, cause I have a client similar to what you were just talking about in that example of <clears throat> we, and she's not, a, she, well, she's done this, kind of part-time this business. And so she's still working like two and a half days a week doing something else. And she's in that same position. Like we went through like, what are the goals, personal, professional, all that type of thing. And, you know, then you look at her price points and I'm like, there's no way in heck you can actually, and unless you're working like seven days a week and you just told me you want to be able to, you know, go away on weekends and do X, Y, and Z on weekends and not run around like a crazy person during the week and, (laughs) and none of these price points, I mean, are going to make that happen. Um, you know, I mean, and then you also get people that are spending more than what they're making and they, they are not getting out of that habit. And so one thing I will tell you is that we always take baby steps. If somebody is, I had a client once who was spending 101% of their income on expenses and half of that was payroll. So, we had a lot of work to do, but I wasn't going to tell them, okay, we need to drop that 101% to 40% today. Like it, that's impossible. Right. So it's just taking baby steps and building in those habits. Um, in fact, profit is a habit. It's not an event. And so by building that habit, it's going to help you grow in business financially. Right. Right. And I think that's, you know, in, in any, scenario in business, obviously there's so many habits that you build in. I mean, so whether you're marketing something in your business, obviously marketing is all about consistency and and creating whatever that habit is, or whether you're hiring someone to do it, it's again, it's that consistency. So if you're launching, you know, releasing video clips or something like that, you know, if you release one today and then the next one's in like two months, obviously that's not very consistent. It's probably not going to make a big impact if you release three a week and they're thoughtful and, you know, they cheer your message, then, you know, down the road, I mean, that's going to make the bigger impact, like you said, I mean, because that's going to build over time and you'll get the bigger audience and, and obviously that leads into the sales, but, you know, because you're right, you can't just, you know, you have to start here and then just kind of incrementally make those adjustments as you go. Right. And one of the misconceptions people have is, they're like, oh, well, I'm the, I'll, I'll need you someday, but I'm not ready for you yet. And honestly, 
yesterday was probably the day you needed me. And even if you haven't opened doors yet, if you haven't even started, because I'd rather you start on the right foot now and get going, then you come back to me in two or three years later. Okay, help me get out of the mess I made, <laughs> which, you know, usually it's I can't afford payroll or I, I want to hire, but I don't know if I can afford it. Or in my case, I'm working too much in my business. I don't know how to get to where I can still, um, you know, grow the business and scale it with how they have things structured, where they're spending their time. So right. it's never too soon to know how you're going to manage, even if you haven't made the money yet. Right. You still want to plan in place on how you're going to manage the money that you make. Right, right. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I would see how this would be about valuable, like if you implemented it from day one or pre day one, as you said, yeah. said, so they understood like right away how to do it. Um, you know, I always say that even with like branding and websites and marketing and all that side of things, because, you know, sometimes I inherit a brand that's like, we need to change this up. You just, yeah. you know, your target market's this, but yet you created the logo and the colors you like. Um, yeah. You know, I don't see that as much anymore, but um, I have gotten clients where they do that. And I'm like, yeah, but you just told me your target market's like women and you're creating this and, you know, like whatever it is, but, right. um, you know, or vice versa. So I think that's, that's so true. I think the earlier you can impact the business, the better the better it is. So, so what successes have you seen? I mean, obviously you've implemented the system in your own business. So how has it helped your business? I mean, for one, it helped me when I left corporate world because I knew what my numbers were. I made, I knew what I needed to do in business, what my goals were and kind of reverse engineered. Okay. If I need to make this much, I need to bring this much in revenue to make that all happen. So having that plan in place helps. I did have a client, uh, she was had an advertising agency and she was someone that had, I think it was like 70, no, 84% in operating expenses, um, including payroll and whatnot. And she had a lot of, you know, printing materials and whatnot. Uh, she did more like signs and, and things for business owners. Okay. So she also wasn't paying herself very much. I mean, it was enough to maybe cover the bills and that was it but she was wanting to retire and eventually sell the company. So having that in mind, knowing what that is, we need to make sure that she has a profitable business or it's not going to sell. If we can't put the foundation in place to be sellable in the five years she was wanting, it'd be very difficult. So within three months, she was able to decrease her expenses by 9%. Wow. And um, multiple six figure business. And so that, you know, that's a huge chunk. And, but she's also, it was funny the other day, she made a comment on, she's having a slow season and it felt really great that she has this owner's pay account because, and using the percentages because of the ups and downs, because she was still able to make sure she paid herself, even though business was slow and she didn't have the stress of how am I going to pay my own personal bills because she knew that was taken care of. So even now I'm like getting goosebumps talking about it. Cause I, I love hearing <laughs> those success stories when they actually implement what we teach and what we do. And then they actually see how that affects them when other times they probably have been, I might need to go use a credit card or get a loan just to cover bills. Instead, you have a system in place now that that is no longer a concern. Right. So if, if there's a client that you have that has some debt on their company, mm -hmm. how do you handle that in like paying down? So you talked about the person that was, you know, had 101% of, right. uh, 
Um, You know, so like, how do you work? Because obviously, if you're putting money in a profit account, which you're not supposed to touch unless there's an emergency situation, you know, like the pandemic hitting or something like that, where you need those that money to cover stuff because you've changed the business, you know, the business changed. Like, how do you suggest kind of figuring things out in order to pay off debt? Right. So there's not a one size fits all answer to that because the types of debt, the, is it a 26% interest credit card or a 5% business loan? You know, there's a lot of those different variables as well, but generally we are putting money aside to be profitable. And at the end of every quarter, um, and I always tell people, if you do nothing else I ever teach you, just open up a second bank account, nickname it profit and start putting 1% of all your revenue. You're now driving profit intentionally. And I did the math the other day. And if you were making $100,000 a year and you started quarter one, 1%, quarter two, you went to 2%, through the end of the year, each 1%, you would have had $10,000 in that bank account by the end of the year. Okay. So that's just an example of what that can do, just taking those baby steps. What we teach is at the end of every quarter, you take half of what you did for that quarter pay yourself a profit distribution, kind of like a bonus, right? We wear multiple hats. We do so much as a business owner and you deserve to get paid and get paid well. So that's half of it. Well, the other half, technically you want to put aside and start that emergency fund, right? A lot of people say you need one in business in personal life. Well, you need one in business too. Not just the, I mean, hopefully we never have to go through a pandemic again, but things in business happen. A piece of machinery goes out. Um, you had a staff who ended up just walking off quitting. There's so many different things in business that can happen and you want to have that emergency fund built. So keep that and build up that emergency fund. That's the general, what we would do with that profit account. However, if you have debt in your business, the half that you would have paid yourself, instead of paying yourself 50%, pay yourself 5% and the remaining 45% apply towards that debt. And there's various ways of, you know, what debt to pay off first and everything like that as well. But that's how I would recommend to get some of that debt paid off, especially if it's something that is causing you to have extremely high expense costs. Right. And you could be using that money in other areas to help your business grow. Okay. No, I think that makes that makes perfect sense. And, you know, that way you're still getting some little bonus for, for yeah. doing obviously all the hard work and being the owner and all that type of thing. But and you're still paying yourself, obviously, in the other account um, for the owner. But it's also helping pay that pay down that section as well. Um, so are there any industries you would say you can't use f- profit first for? Uh, I haven't come across one yet. Um, we even have nonprofits even can okay. use profit first. We call it purpose yeah. first. Huh. And so their profit account is really meant to be used for their purpose. And so there's even ways for nonprofits. You're like, well, they don't want to be profitable, right? They want to be able to, well, that profit you make with it can go back into the purpose of why you have the nonprofit in the first place. Um, but if it's, let's see, marketing agencies, restaurants, manufacturing, um, pet services, um, accountant CPAs, um, <laughs> basically business coaches, any, I have not come across a single industry that it's not a fit for. It's not a fit if you're not willing to change. Right. Um, 
you know, you have to be willing to put in the habit and open up the bank accounts and get things started, but you can always start slow, start with that one account. And if you're like, Oh, this is easy. I got it. Well then now you can have go into the full profit first methodology. And I did what I tell people not to do now when I first did it in 2019, I went and opened up all of the bank accounts and I started at what the recommended percentages were. I didn't look at what I was doing. (laughs) And after a couple of months, I was like, wait, I know I'm doing better, but I need to pay these bills and I was paying myself more. So I kind of needed to restart and figure out, okay, what am I actually doing now? And then take baby steps to get to where I wanted to be. Right. Because otherwise you jump that and you're, you're not going to know what to do with when all of a sudden payrolls do and you don't have it because you went and paid yourself more based on those uh, recommended percentages. Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned restaurants in there and that was kind of one of the industries I was curious about because we saw, and I'm sure you did too in Texas, but even in Florida, and I'm sure it got harder impact in states like New York or California, where tons of restaurants went out of business because of the shutdowns and, you know, back in 2020 and, and not being able to operate or not pivoting to operate a different way. I mean, a lot of the restaurants here pivoted to, you know, do more takeout, to mm-hmm. do, you know, the city relax some of their guidelines on, you know, and let people take out um, some like alcoholic drinks at one point, you know, for yep. a few weeks, things like that. So, you know, the restaurants that adjusted were able to deal with this to some degree, you know, until things open back up. And obviously we weren't in Florida, we weren't shut down nearly as long as other places were. And I'm sure, I know you weren't either. Um, but how, like in that scenario, if a restaurant had been using profit first from the start, do you feel like they would have then been able to weather all this type of storm? Right. And it's not the only answer, right? But I, they, they have to be willing to pivot. Like you mentioned, some places decided, Hey, let's do takeout as an option. Cause if you have to be, there was a time we were hundred percent shut down for two weeks. And if you can't be open for two whole weeks and you can't go deliver, you need to make sure that you have enough money set aside to cover things like that. Um, And at least have the general rule of thumb is three to six months of savings. It just depends on your business. But that should give you at least enough time then to figure out what that pivot is and what you need to do to make that transition. Do you need to go to online, you know, online mark, do more online marketing um, start selling online more, do you, you know, where do you need to pivot and knowing that, okay, bills are taken care of finding I'm getting paid. I'm getting taken care of as the owner. Let me focus on what I needed to do to make this business thrive beyond however long this is going to last. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, maybe pivoting with marketing and things, and that's usually, you know, one of the services a business is cut first, yeah. <laughs> which is always interesting to me. <clears throat> is they cut the marketing side first. And I'm like, but that, you know, like yeah. the two kind of go hand in hand, you know, but they're just it looking does. at expenses and where they can cut immediately. And you do, I mean, you want to look at expenses and where you can well, cut. Yeah. And if you're not using, if you have a social media manager and they're not doing their job, then maybe find a replacement. You know, there's different things. Look at the right. ROI, look at, you know, is there maybe a better solution out there? And maybe that it's not that it costs less, but it saves you more time to focus on income producing activities. And so it's not always a money thing. It sometimes is a time thing as well. And just making sure that you're aware of where you're spending your money so that you can make those better decisions 
And if it's something you need to pause or freeze it up <coughs> for a few months, uh, if you're not using it. In fact, today it was funny. A couple of weeks ago, I had a colleague, she, she's talking about this subscription to a CRM and she's like, I just haven't been using it. And I'm like, okay, so when are you going to use it? And she's like, well, right. I, I'll, I'll use it within like the next this by this month. I said, okay, so by what date? In June. Okay, which date? <laughs> She's like, June 22nd. And I was like, okay, so on June 22nd, I'm going to reach out to you and you either are going to start using it or you're going to cancel it. Those are the only two options. So I ran into her this morning and she was like, yeah, I haven't done it yet. So I'm waiting to hear back from her on a text on um, canceling it <laughs> that she actually canceled it because she hasn't been using it. So sometimes you have to set, I'm sure you guys hear this all the time. You start going to the gym in January and by February it's empty but you're still right. paying it and it's June. Why are you still paying for something you're not even using? So when you have yeah. that deeper awareness of the expenses, those are the kind of things you want to cut. When it comes to marketing, exactly. it's, it's more of how can you pivot from it? Is there a better solution to save you time and or money? Can you pause things for a couple months? You know, there's different ways of looking at it too. Yeah. Cause I think when we have those subscriptions and I have a ton for the company yeah. and you know, you just, you know, it's, it's just coming out every, you know, month or if you pay it by the year and then it renews at the year, you know, whatever, whichever way it is, you know, you know, it's coming out, you know, cause it comes out when it, cause the money disappears, but then you have to really look at, I mean, I, I think, you know, I've been, a, I've done a better job of just keeping my books up to date. Like I'm through May at this point, which is, for me, very good. And I yeah. still do my own books, even though an accountant, like I have ADP for payroll and I have an accountant that deals with all the, the other stuff that goes into the the company. But um, I still do the books. And so for me to be on target at May is like a really good thing. Um, so, but that's one of the things I committed to this year is really to be able to do that. So I've been looking at oh, well, now I'm paying for this over here. And, you know, so like, do I need this? Do I not need this? I've canceled a couple of things. Um, you know, some things, especially those annual ones, all of a sudden they just hit and you're like, mm -hmm. wait a minute, am I still using this? Or so, right. yeah, I've been paying attention to that. And I've actually been doing my personal books too, which I've not done in years. And just to see what, where things are coming, you know, going out to, um, you know, cause sometimes you get on that Amazon kick of like, you know, like, okay, what did I actually buy on Amazon? That, <laughs> did I need all these things I bought on Amazon? Were they things yep. that, it, you know, um, yep. you know, because that ease of use. So yeah, I've been looking at that as well. So, and I had some subscriptions there that I'm like, what is that? You know, like, and it was like little things. Like, I think one was, I pay for this, uh, service on Alexa, you know, which is, but I was thinking I was paying for one and there were two different charges. One was 80 cents and one was a dollar 20. And I was like, okay, well, which one am I actually using? Cause I'm like, right. I don't even know what this other one is, you know, and obviously it's, it's small money, but then it adds up over time. If you have yeah. it for years, then, yeah. um, and like you say, I mean, you can take profit first into your personal finances too. Yeah. You can start putting a percent aside in a savings account and that's your right. profit, right? Um, you can look at all your expense. In fact, I did this. I had a lady who owned a windows and doors company and her question was, you know, she just pays herself as needed. She didn't have a rhythm and a system in place, but she also didn't know how much to pay herself. So we went back into there and she wanted to set, she wasn't on payroll. She had owner's draw, but she wanted to know what that was. So we could be consistent with it. So we had to go back into her personal finances, met with her and her husband and they found out when we looked at the like last three months, they realized that 18% of what they were spending was just on random. Like they didn't even know they were spending it on. Right. 
Um, And they had some older kids and like, oh, I think one is in college. And so, oh, you need something. Here you go. And but the nice thing is knowing what they were spending in personal on average, we were able to take a look at that. And she now knew how much she was paying herself. And we took that number back into the business. And now she's paying herself on a weekly basis consistently. And like that's the money they have to run and support their lifestyle and whatever that looks like. So sometimes going into the personal and tracking the, those numbers too can be super helpful. Yeah. I mean, and I think for me, it was just like seeing because, you know, it's so easy nowadays, you know, it didn't used to be as so easy, you know, to get something and it's delivered to you that day or the next yeah. day or whatever. And you're just like, oh yeah, you know, like it's only $10, you know, but obviously, you know, you buy a bunch of $10 things over the course of time, then those add up to hundreds yep. of dollars. Yep. And, you know, for me, it was just like, let me just look and see like what, um, you know, what I'm actually spending money on and I'm still trying to track down certain receipts. I mean, I've gotten, you know, through all the five months, but, um, but, you know, I'm still kind of like looking at, you know, certain receipts to see what the, you know, what the number, you know, I'm like, okay, I went to, you know, Walgreens and spent $10. Like what the heck was that for? Um, well, and I had a, one time when I did the more personal financial coaching, I had a family of three, and when they did the exercise on figuring out like how much you're actual spending on food, right. they realized they were spending $1,300 a month on food. That's eating out groceries, you name it, right? 1300 1300 but 300 of that was Starbucks alone. Holy crap. And so I'm not one of those people to say, oh, you got to cut out Starbucks, but it's for you to know where you're spending your money to be able to make that decision. Yeah. Can you afford right. that? Yes or no. If yes, great. Do you want to be spending $300 in Starbucks? Or maybe 150 and you can put 150 towards your child's gymnastics or whatever right. else you have going on, right? So it's just putting things in a perspective, but you can't, yeah. it's hard to do that if you don't know the numbers. Yeah, and it's making more of a conscious choice instead of yep. a proactive choice versus yeah. a reactive of like, oh my God, I just spent like X amount of dollars <laughs> and like, what, yeah. what, what did I just get for that? Um, yeah. Yeah, because I know people that like Starbucks and I mean, I pulled back on that a long time ago, but I was never a big like, let me go buy a six dollar drink every single day. I was like, let me just, you know, that would be like a special treat for me. But um, but there's other things that that replace that. So, you know, it's like just one of those things of just being more conscious, I think, like you're saying, of like where the money's going and. Like you said, if you can afford it and you want to spend the money, $300 on Starbucks, like all for it, you know, like right. go for it, you know, that yeah. that's your choice. But then yep. don't complain that you don't have money for something over here because you exactly. just spent $300 it's, on Starbucks. Yeah. Um, it's the opportunity cost. Right. And, yeah. So I always ask people about how owning a business figures in with their family life, because I think you know, like you talked at the very beginning about you wanted more flexibility in your schedule and that was kind of your final, you know, and then the biz- your, the company you worked for sold. And so that was kind of the final push to get you out of the company you were working for and then into your own business 100% of the time. So how has that worked? And, you know, if you're, um, you know, has family been supportive of what you're doing and, and understood and everything? Uh, Yeah, so I have, my husband is a typical W-2 employee, um, and but he also knows that I know what I'm doing and I I love what I'm doing and he supports everything I'm doing. In fact, I usually can make my own business decisions. I don't have to consult him on them. Um, Unless, for example, I'm going out of town for a conference or something because we do have (laughs) 
I currently have a four-year-old and an eight-month-old. Oh. Kind of need to make sure that we have care yeah. for them. Um, either he's able to handle that while I'm gone because of his work hours or whatnot. But when it comes to financial decisions or how I run my business, it's it's mine. I don't necess- yeah. I don't have a partner in the business, and he supports in whatever des- those decisions I make. The one thing that I the downside is that he's like, oh, you're the financial guru, so even in personal, you can make the decisions. I'm like no. So a while <laughs> years ago, we learned that we make those large decisions together. Um, because it's our money. It's not just mine. Right. And I mean, it was a big jump because, uh, my, my paycheck back at corporate world supported our lifestyle. So yeah. to not have that, I had to really get things going up in business to be able to continue what we were used to. Right. So, and we just bought a house about a year and a half, a little over a year and a half ago. <laughs> right. Um, obviously have two little kids. So it's not just me and my lifestyle. It's myself, my my husband, my kids, my family. I have two other step, stepchildren as well. And so okay. it's just, um, it's nice. What's difficult, I will say, is that because of the flexibility, I can go on vacation if I wanted to. Right. I can take a day off if I wanted to. My husband cannot. And yeah. we just got back from a week-long vacation up in Wisconsin. Huh. And he had to use, PTO and some days were unpaid for him, for example. So there's a downside to that. Um, in that I'm like, Oh, I want to go here. I want to go do this. And he wants to, but, <laughs> but he sometimes can't. he can't with the job. So, right. Um, but other than that, very supportive. And then just trying to, I also currently work from home and just, just getting used to, I would say back in the day before I left corporate, Oh, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to take an hour and a half lunch and I'm going to just take a little bit longer to do this. I'm going to sleep in a little bit. And now (laughs) I got it. Mama's got to (laughs) work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, and I have an office I work in, which is where I am now, but I sometimes work from my home office. And then um, Jack, my uh, partner, like he will work from here, but he really works from here more for the video filming because we have a video studio that's in the back. And that's really why I have the office space is for that side of the business. And then he, but he does a lot of his editing at home. And so I, yeah, I've been, you know, we've been talking about the office space and, um, but I found like during the pandemic, like that was helpful to me just to be consistent of like leaving the house every day and not getting into, you know, like, let me just stay home. I can work from here because I don't share the space with anyone. So it wasn't like I couldn't come to my own office. Um, you know, so I just stayed consistent and my three little dogs that we had at the time, like they all came with me to, to the office because the landlord that owns this building, like his big dog comes to his office right down this, you know, way here. So um, he doesn't care if the dogs are in the office. So like I just got in the habit of like staying in that mode. And I think you have to have that consistency of habit. So whether you're working from mm-hmm. your home office, because I think there's two for me when I work at home although I've been better because I've been trying to work there like Monday and Friday and work here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I've been better at, you know, I still start at the same time. I still, you know, I grab lunch. I don't usually take, you know, I don't separate my lunch that often because a lot of times I'll just eat while I'm doing something on my computer that I can do. Um, You know, that way, again, it's consistent. Usually for me, it's more like access to a refrigerator. That's a problem because I'm like, (laughs) I could have a snack right now. And, you know, even though I bring food here, with the refrigerator here, it's not like I have a full refrigerator of stuff um, here. But I think the consistency, you know, we talked about that earlier in anything you do, whether it's your financial habits, whether it's the, 
you know, marketing habits or just staying consistent with work um, mm -hmm. is a big piece. And I think the other thing you said, and we've already addressed it a little bit, was, you know, you knew when you went full time, you know, that your paycheck from the previous job was supporting your lifestyle. And so when you worked with the family, it was like, OK, now I got to I've got to replace that paycheck, you know, or at least right. replace that paycheck, obviously. Yeah. I'm sure you've surpassed that at this point. But, you know, at least replace that because, you know, we've got kids, we've got, you know, a house and all those types of things. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I, like you said at the beginning, a lot of people leave their corporate jobs because they hate what they're doing or they just really don't like it or they don't like their boss or whatever that is. And it was hard because that was probably the best employer I ever had. And I was <laughs> there for nine years. And right. before that, I don't think I held a job longer than two and a half, three years. <laughs> um, it it was a great job to have. And in fact, it was so great. They gave me the flexibility to run my business a lot, um, almost full time. I really didn't work a 40 hour work week with them because as long as I got the work done, I got paid. And so with all the benefits and stuff that they had. So I think that helped with that transition as well. It just was when I left, I didn't have that backup income to right. support. So the lifestyle of working from home and having that flexibility, I was already accustomed to. It's yeah. just now 100% of that um, without the extra income. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we start winding down today, I've really enjoyed our conversation and I, I took it a little bit different direction with you just because I think it's beneficial for people that want to start a business or even, you know, that are in business, you know, whatever, because I think, again, I don't know the circles I run in, which aren't necessarily here in Florida. I can't even speak for the ones here, but, um, know this book, but as I said, I don't know even the circles here. It'd be interesting if I like brought it up because we have a book. There's a book club in like the Boca Chamber um, and you can help pick books. It'd be interesting if I said like, let's read this and see what the reaction would be because yeah. um, it'd be interesting to see if there are any like CPAs in the in the room. Um, well, my what the reaction I might I must ha I might have to do that um, to that would be because I don't know. You know, it's just not a conversation that I bring up every day. And, yeah. um, but I always ask people at the end of the interview, if there was one thing that either you knew going into business or you learned along the way that really helped accelerate kind of your growth in your own business, what would that be? Hmm. Um, I would, I definitely didn't know it going into business cause I had no clue what it took to run a business when I first started. I learned a lot along the way. And I would say the biggest thing is to have someone hold you accountable. Um, especially if you're a solopreneur, you don't have a business partner or a spouse involved with your business or, um, you know, you, it's on your own. You, you have to d be disciplined on the time you spend on getting things done on a timely manner. And if you don't have that discipline and consistency of what you're disciplined about, it's very easy to kind of fall off and get behind on things. So if I had the discipline I ha and consistency I have now back seven years ago, I'd be way further along in business than I am now. <laughs> so, Yeah, no, I think I think that's a great point because, you know, even, you know, because I, I find myself going in and out of that, you know, where 
um, you know, I'm really consistent and I'm really good and like staying, you know, and then you go on vacation for a week or something like that. And then it like goes out the window and then you like, it takes you two weeks to get back into it because, you know, you're trying to recover from coming back from vacation and, you know, <laughs> trying to catch up on everything. And so I agree with you. I think, um, having that accountability partner and having someone to help you kind of keep, stay on track, um, whoever that is for you. So whether it's a business partner, like you said, or, or just, uh, I mean, it could be a business coach. It could be, a someone, you know, that's a, in a, a business, another business, and you guys are holding each other accountable. Yeah. A mentor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then if anyone wanted to get in touch with you or had questions, more questions about your service or profit first, what's the best way to reach out to you? Um, I would say email our websites, masteringyourprofit.com. So you can find out a lot about that, uh, including profit first. There's an entire page about it. But if you want to email Jennifer at masteringyourprofit.com, that's honestly okay. the best way to reach me. And then okay. we offer free discovery sessions as well. So you can always, uh, you can find that on the website or um, if you just want to have a couple of questions, maybe you've read the book and really aren't sure what you need to be doing with it um, or have that accountability or just want to kind of learn more about what it is that we do uh, beyond this conversation. Uh, that's the best way. Okay, great. Um, and she definitely knows her stuff guys. So I would definitely reach out to her and um, you know, even in the, the consultation, I mean, I did the, the paid consultation, but even in that um, it was very helpful and uh, kind of, reminded me because I read the book last year, I need to reread it again this year anyway, but, but reminded me kind of what the pieces were that I needed to actually do um, soon. So and I appreciate you having me on Allison. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. And um, thank you, everyone for joining the Dream Plan Stark Rose show. I do love working with new businesses. So if you are looking to start a business or you are pretty new in business, making under that 100,000 mark, Feel free to reach out to me on the on my website, dreamplanstartgrow.com. I do also offer kind of a complimentary consultation, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have or lead you in the right direction uh, as much as I can. And I look forward to seeing everyone next time. Thanks and have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to the Dream Plan Start Grow podcast with Allison Turner. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Join the Dream Plan Start Grow community by following us on Facebook or Instagram at Dream Plan Start Grow. See you in the next episode.